0: The Money Show, Small Business. What is on your mind this evening, Pablo? I don't know how much of that you heard, uh, but I do love the way that these guys just seize the opportunity as it doesn't present itself. They create the opportunity and then deliver on that opportunity.
1: You know what, Bruce? What I loved about it is on the back end of Sona, um, I was involved in an event. We were talking about Sona, we were talking about the dress, and then we had to wrap up. And the presenter said to me, So, what is your takeaway? And I said, If there's one thing we have certainly heard in the last two hours of the Sona address, is that if you want to get your act together, you better take responsibility for it yourself. Because this government, on the back of that address, has no ability to deliver anything that was promised in that two hour monologue. It really is not going to happen. Therefore, the message is, They say they care about you, but actually, if you rely on that, you're going to be the one wanting. Rather, control what you have control over, act on that, and make it happen yourself. I love that story. It's the beginning of something quite remarkable. If Chris's story, and Chris's idea can expand across these many municipalities... Mm -hmm
0: the small business focus brought to you by isuzu easy go why own a pre-built truck when you can rent it thanks to creative solutions from isuzu finance t's and c's apply talk to me about the two halves of a business you be need to sound like
1: a philosopher <laughs> i'm feeling like one you know i spoke to a, a former south african he, he left south africa i think about 35 years ago um he was a at UCT in the sciences. He had a PhD. He then got a second PhD. And he's one of these deep, 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 really brilliant, brilliant, genius technician types. And he built a business along with his wife that manufactures... And Bruce, just bear with me on this, please, because it sounds gross, but it's really not gross, because if you really understood how healthcare works, uh, this is very normal practice. But he manufactures these... Highly specialized cages that um, you put this poor lab rat in, and you test the osmotic transfer of gases in and out of a living organism. And it's used to provide insight and research around the production of certain pharma, pharma, you know, pharma solutions and medical solutions. And he is without a doubt a global leader in its thinking. It's a highly sophisticated piece of machinery. The market value on an annual basis is worth about a billion dollars. They're based in, in um, Nevada. So it's worth about a billion dollars. They've been at it now for 27 years. He's got double PhDs. He's got a super, super smart wife on top of it who runs the commercial side of the business. And their annual revenues are $9 million. What? In a $1 billion year industry the top thinker, the longest player, the deepest possible genius you could ever wish to find has built a business that does $9 million out of of $1,000 million. So it got me thinking, and it got me into a deep debate and a discussion with him. And that's when I had to have a debate around the fact that there are two halves to every business. The first is you have a product or a service and see that as as something separate. Do not see that as the business. The second half of the business is you have a commercial system. They are not the same thing. And each of them require different skills. They have got different designs. It needs a different kind of leadership and management. But those two halves, if they're built well, create the whole. And the whole is a business that, with that kind of product, would be dominating that sector, that industry, 27 years in. Okay.
0: So, how do we solve their problem, Pavlo, as you go into your philosophy degree?
1: <laughs> well, okay. So, so, well, let's use philosophy then. Okay. Rolf Walder Emerson, founding father of the United yep. States poet, essayist, deep, 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 thinker, probably as much as this entrepreneur, but in the area of philosophy. He turned around and he said, if you build a better mousetrap, which is a very appropriate pun for this particular business, the world would be to pass your door. And this was the debate we had about the product. It was and is and remains without any question of doubt, the best of its kind in this entire industry. So why was the world not beating a path to the door of this particular business? Well, the job of a product or service, whatever your product is, whatever your service is, Bruce, it only has one job, and that's to solve a problem for whoever buys that product or service from you. It's an issue of value for money. You've got to create a a, a widget, a product, uh, a service that can solve a very well-defined problem. The job of the second half is to create a consistent, predictable experience. And an experience for any customer is made up of how they learn about your business, how they learn about their own problem that your business can solve through the product or service that you offer, how they engage with you, how you sell to them, how you get them on board as a customer, how you fulfill your promise around the expectation of what the experience would be. Whilst getting their problem solved with the product or service you offer, so those are the two halves, and this is where Ralph Waldo Emerson needs to climb out of his grave, relook at the world as it is today, and say everybody has built really good mouse traps. The art now is beating a path to your customer's door. So the first half is solving a well-defined problem through your product or service. The second half is about creating that experience to beat a path to your customer's door that meets up with their expectations. And when you build both of those and design them independently of each other, but working in harmony, you create the whole. And the whole is a business that then is able to use its commercial systems, Bruce, to accelerate the products and services you have so painstakingly and thoughtfully put together to the door of your customer, onboarding your customer and holding your customer. The debate I had with this double PhD was his solution to move from $9 million to $30 million in the next two years is he's going to improve the criteria, the features, the aspects of the product itself. Then surely he argued, the world will come to us and we should be able to climb into that new market, despite the fact that it hasn't worked for 27 years.
0: It's astonishing how long people will keep bashing on the door so close to success. They are successful. They've got something phenomenal, but they don't have commercial success, and they'll keep trying. And they'll probably do the same thing over and over, and they're just not getting a different outcome. Um, and it takes this long to go and say, hey, Pavlo, help. And... You seem to be
1: making some headway. No, we're making a lot of headway now. And, you know, Bruce, you know why it happens? You know, most businesses, there's there's this fallacy out there that entrepreneurs are people who start a business to take advantage of an opportunity because they saw an opportunity. Well, the reality, the more practical reality, even more so in South Africa than many other countries, is that most entrepreneurs are in business out of sheer necessity. They never made it into a sustainable corporate career um, by way of employment. And and out of sheer necessity, they had to start a business. And when you start a business, you always play to your strength because you are the only person in the business and you have control over everything. And therefore, you're going to play to your particular strength. So if you have a PhD in deep science around metabolism versus a carpentry Uh, 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 technical capability and skill where you understand wood grains and you understand table designs and table assembly, you're going to start a business closest to your core area of strength, capability, competence because you can control the outcome of your effort. And when you start a business like that and you succeed with your first product or the first service you design and you deliver, it creates a kind of scar tissue that the answer to growth is to build great products and to build great services. But once you get to a certain size Bruce, and you get into a really competitive environment, the truth and the reality is, although you might not see it, is that everyone you're competing with has an equally great service and an equally great product. If you have focused on that as your path to growth, and not recognize that all of us as customers out there buy on the back of an experience because we spot for choice around the products or services that can solve our problems. When you join those two pieces together, you'll go out there and you'll kill it. You'll scale, you'll own the market, you'll dominate it.
0: But it is your job to do it. I mean, you are the boss, you're the CEO, you're the founder, you're the person who originated this idea, and it's up to you to monetize it. And if you don't do it, no one else is.
1: Completely, completely. And that's the harsh reality of it. There are so many brilliant, brilliant products out there that have gone to grave with their founders. Excellent products, far better than anything we currently enjoy, most likely across all domains of what we buy and purchase. But because they've missed the commercial piece of it, the idea that we live in an experienced economy, not a product-driven economy, mm-hmm. because they've missed that, they forgot to build the second half on top of what is already an excellent world-class first half.
0: Fabulous. Pavlo Fatidis from Auric Business Accelerator on a Thursday night.